You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. <laughs> we made it to a Friday. I had my doubts. I took the under, but we made it to a Traeger Meat Friday. Come on in and stay a while. Hopefully we play nice today. Boys are here, ready to go. Mark Cuban will join us a little bit later on. And uh, Paul Feinbaum from ESPN will join us coming up as well. We'll have a poll question. We got a stat of the day. We got a play of the day. We got a lot of things to uh, bring your way. You can watch if you'd like on YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. You can also uh, check us out on radio, 362 radio affiliates around the country. And uh, we say good morning to Chat Row. If you'd like to email, you can. You can tweet or dial us up, 877-3DP-SHOW. Time has been a funny thing during this pandemic. I think we've all forgotten what day it is at one point or another, but time does march on. And it's marching on quickly for professional sports leagues. Major League Baseball's chance to be the first major North American sport back is rapidly dwindling. The reality of the NBA and NHL playoff plans, they will be here before you know it. And we're going to be talking about that Orlando bubble. And don't forget about the NFL training camp. It's five weeks away. And that means we're going to have potential battles, injuries, QB controversies, all the things that we spend an inordinate amount of time arguing about. But... We all miss our favorite sports, but the conversation changes as we get close to them actually starting up. The excitement feels a little bit more palpable. The potential risk feel more real. So get ready because this isn't just about my sports coming back. It's, is it coming back? How long will it be back? What if something goes wrong? We're waiting for our teams, but you're hoping that other shoe doesn't drop when it comes to this coronavirus. Uh, this program brought to you by Raycon, buyraycon.com slash Patrick. They're the best wireless earbuds out there. You get 15% off. It's buyraycon.com slash Patrick. We'll have a play of the day uh, coming up. McLovin, is there, we got a, a poll question as well and a stat of the day. Yeah, we're really digging into this NFL poll question I mentioned earlier about Jamal Adams and the position of safety and where that sits among the NFL hierarchy. I am not going to talk baseball today. At least I'm going to try not to because I don't want to be brought back into the mess here, into the void. It feels like these are fake negotiations. The The Baseball Players Association officially offered a proposal, and some seem reasonable, but it's just, it's just back and forth. This is a, a, a game of negotiations. You know, it's like tennis. You know, just volleying back and forth with, uh, you know, different data, stats, games, money, all of that. And I, I just, I, I'm not going to get sucked back into this. It feels like, as I told you yesterday, the, the owners and the, the commissioner know exactly what they're doing. It's how can we play enough games and we avoid losing the most amount of money? And you technically have a season. That's really what I believe this is coming down to. And it's disappointing. But this is a sliding scale, and I know that we want to go back and forth, and, oh, we, we could be on the verge, and we're not. I fell for it. Uh, you know, like everybody else, I fell for it. And then I had somebody kind of wake me up and say, you know, this is, this is scripted here. I said, uh, enlighten me. And my source did. Because if we're looking at the money 
following the money. That's all this was about. First, it was about Blake Snell talking about the pandemic and is it worth risking my life to go back and play? Because it was about health. And when you had health on your side, then you had sentiment. You had fans to go, oh, okay, I understand that. We expected to have baseball fans. And then when we didn't, then all of a sudden the owners are going, well, wait a minute here. I know we agreed to this, but we're not going to have any fans here. So then it's different. Now, here we are. Middle of June, and it doesn't feel like we're any closer than we were a week ago, a month ago. But if I feel like there's something that's real, then I'll bring it to your attention. And we'll have guests that can help us move the story on down the road. But this is just back and forth. And it just feels like no matter what the players say, the owners know exactly what they're doing. You may not like it, may not be good for the game, but it feels like the owners know exactly what they're doing. This commissioner knows exactly what he's doing. We're going to play X number of games. We're going to start on this date, which means we're going to have the postseason. Hopefully we don't have a second wave of the coronavirus. We get our money in the postseason, more teams in the postseason, and then we kind of go quietly into the night and then try to regroup and maybe have a baseball season next year. That's my feeling here. That's what I've been told. It's scripted of when it's starting, when it's ending, how much money we're going to lose. Because if, if I say to an owner, here I am three minutes into this and I wasn't talking baseball today. Damn you. If I say to an owner, hey, you're going to lose $500,000 per game. Let's just say rough estimate. Oh, they want to play 70 games. Well, the owners are going to go, why do I want to play 20 more games and lose that amount of money when let's do 50 games and then I can recoup some money in the postseason? The players are saying, we don't get anything in the postseason. How about you give us more regular season games? That's where we are. We can go back and forth on percentages and universal DH and all, it, it doesn't mean anything. This comes down to how much money am I getting? How much money am I not going to lose? Those are the two sides. Good luck with that. Um, this was one of those, you know, we, we have so many other stories that are more important right now, but this one was kind of a sneaky big story and it won't get a lot of attention. The Niners wide receiver, Debo Samuel, broke his foot. Just had surgery. I mean, he's a really good player. He was sneaky good last year. That was just one of those where you go, all right, is he going to be healthy in time? Camp is opening up in five weeks. Yeah, McLevin? Good thing they mysteriously picked a wide receiver at 25 and Brandon Ayuk, who they, even though they had Debo Samuel, and they have Emmanuel Sanders still, I believe. So, uh, Emmanuel Sanders went to not, New Orleans. He left? He? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, he did. That's a mistake. Yeah. Now they're in trouble. Well, no, he didn't just leave. No, I wasn't breaking news. Oh, no, no. Back I, to you. No. Uh, but yeah, Debo Samuel, that's a, that's a big loss for that team. And you see this with these teams. When you lose the Super Bowl, it just feels like that offseason, and then you start the next season. Like, it's never pretty. Those, that's why, the, you know, we had that run where teams didn't get back to the playoffs, let alone playoffs, let alone, you know, go back to the Super Bowl there. But Debo Samuel breaks his foot. Uh, the Jets safety, Jamal Adam, once uh, out of New York, he gave a list of the teams that he wants to go to. And 
you know, there's a couple thoughts that I have with this. First of all, safety used to be a really important position. You have guys in the Hall of Fame who played primarily the safety position. You know, Ed Reed was a brilliant safety. Ronnie Lott was a brilliant safety. You had guys who could put a, a hat on you. you know, but they're not cover guys. They were the guys that sort of freelanced a little bit. What do you need me to do? But hitting has been taken out of the game. So that's safety, who's that big hammer back there. And, and look, Jamal Adams has done everything the Jets have wanted him to do. He wants a new contract. And this is where we devalue the safety. We do. It, it's one of the least valuable positions in the NFL. But the Jets drafted a guy to play safety. You can't now come back and go, eh, you know what? You're just not worth that much money because, hey, you're a safety. He outperformed his contract. Christian McCaffrey outperformed his contract. Jamal Adams gone to the Pro Bowl, I think, two out of the first three years of his career. You're seeing guys going into their fourth year who were first-round draft picks, and they've gotten new contracts here. Patrick Mahomes has earned that. Deshaun Watson has earned that. Jamal Adams has earned it. But the Jets aren't going to pay him. And you draft a guy to play safety, and then he's good at the position, and then you say, yeah, but we're not going to give you a new deal. Then why did you draft him? Yeah, McLovin. That was like four regimes ago for the Jets. Literally, I think that was three GMs ago. They, they have a new GM every year. There's no plan here. That's the problem. Okay, so you're going to get rid of your best player? Yes. When is that ever a good idea? Patriots done it before. They, they wouldn't. They would, he'd be gone. He'd be so out the door in New England. This wouldn't even be a discussion. Yeah, but when did they get rid of Ty Long? He wasn't 24. You're right. Good point. But the new contract forces this whole situation. <laughs> it seems weird that three years in, he's demanding this money. It just, it, well, but, I understand they get a bad deal. he's good at what he does. Imagine if you're Jamal Adams. You get drafted, first round pick, high pick, yep. and you can't negotiate. You're slotted. And you look at these other players who have outperformed their contracts. They're getting extensions. And you're the best player on a bad team. He's by far and away the best player on that team. And now, so what are you going to say to other players that you're going to draft, might want to draft, or free agents? It's not a good look for the Jets. You may not want to pay Jamal Adams because he's a safety, but this is the guy you drafted to play that position, and he's played the position well. And here are the Jets going, all right, then maybe we'll trade you. Yeah, McLovin. But if you're building a team from scratch, which basically they are, do you want this want your best player to be an unhappy superstar who's demanded a trade like 14 times during the pandemic? I mean, we've been doing this Jamal Adams story since February. McLovin, how many, how many times have they been rebuilding this team? I know. That's the problem. So like, what does what the new rebuild look like? I Joe Douglas is a new GM. I, he builds it from ground up like he did with, you know, help with the Eagles and the Raiders. What does that mean, ground up? I mean, literally, like, he has no solid positions where he inherited. Remember, he inherited a mess? So every all 22 players, you could, accept, you could basically start over. Well, I, I guess we're going to find out if you trade him and you can get a first-round draft pick in return for him. I, I don't know if you get a first-round draft pick for him. I hope you don't draft another safety. <laughs> but... What position are you going to draft on the Jets? A team that needs everything. Yeah, Todd. 
But if an owner is uh, in a position where he feels like he has to pay someone more money because they outperformed or overperformed their contract, shouldn't it work both ways? If someone underperformed, the owner should be able to say, then you're going to get less money next year. So that's that seems the only fair thing to do. It can't just be giving more money to the players that play better than... Yeah, but this team. has nothing to do with Jamal Adams. No, but just in general, any player that complains, well, that, hey, look, look, this one got this and this one played better than the money he was getting, where's, where's mine? Then they should also have to deal with getting less money if they underperform. Well, they do that. Like Mitchell Trubisky, they declined his uh, you know, his option. Uh, Solomon Thomas. No, the owners cut players all the time. But this stay on the topic of Jamal Adams because I'm not talking about other players that don't live up to their contracts. I've said that before that you know guys want money, but then if they don't perform, then you know can I take money away? And it doesn't work that way. But this is about Jamal Adams. He has outperformed his contract just like some of these other players are that are getting extended. And if, if you know, it's just the Jets, it's a mess. Now he gave a list of, I think, seven teams that uh, he would go to or that he would like to go to. You know. And what are you going to get in return? For a guy who plays a position that's not a valuable position, what are you going to get in return? Yeah, McClub. The Steelers gave up a, pick, a first rounder for Minka Fitzpatrick, and he helped them tremendously. So maybe... I think if you're a team like Dallas, you'd give up a first rounder and a second for Jamal Adams, right? Because it's not going to be a high first rounder. I don't know what they have. I don't know what Dallas has. I don't know what you know. They have picks to give. I that's a. T- I think he's from Texas, right, or something. Well, he, he wants to go there. Yeah, he keeps getting rumored there. That's why I said that team. But yeah, if they have a first rounder, it'd probably be like the twenty four, twenty five pick. Why not, right? If you can do that, man, the Steelers. I think they gave up a late first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick, and he performed, you know, admirably for them. You know, I don't always agree when, you know, the Cowboys re-signed Ezekiel Elliott, and I thought it was foolish to do it, but they valued Ezekiel Elliott and the running game, and that took pressure off of Dak Prescott. That's their philosophy. That's Jerry Jones' philosophy. He And then he gave Zeke Elliott the contract extension. I wouldn't have done that. Carolina with Christian McCaffrey, I wouldn't have done it. But when you take a running back high, you've already said, hey, we value that position. I wouldn't have taken, you know, Saquon Barkley. I was on record as saying, take him because I thought the Giants were ready to compete for a Super Bowl. And then they all, that all went south. Certainly that high-priced defense didn't show up. And now you got Saquon Barkley. Wonderful player, but... Is he the right guy to spend a, the second pick in the draft? The answer is no. But that that's where we are with the NFL. In certain positions, certain owners, certain GMs, certain coaches value. And you put your money there. Now Jamal Adams is saying, I did everything you wanted me to do. These other guys are getting extended. I would like to get a contract extension. And now we realize that it's not going to happen. Now what do you get for him? Yeah, Paul. If they were the same price, would you rather add Jamal Adams to your team or Christian McCaffrey to your team? And why? What kind of team do I have? You're, you're an average team who you have a slot of that much money to, to pick one player. They're both out there. You don't have a good running back and you don't have a good safety. I would take Christian McCaffrey because he can check the boxes on a few things here. You know, uh, let's, be honest with total transparency i got a white superstar at running back here and that with fans coming out fans aren't coming out to see jamal adams 
they may appreciate him when they come out. People are coming out to see Christian McCaffrey. And does that factor in with a franchise like Carolina that's not very good? And the answer is yes. If So Christian McCaffrey is different. If you said Saquon Barkley or Jamal Adams, that would be more interesting here. Because McCaffrey is an anomaly. Yeah, McLevin. And the thing is, like, I can't think of a Jamal Adams highlight off the top of my head. That's really, you know, like, I what's remember, a signature play? Well, we don't usually show Jets highlights. I, that's probably They're why. They're not playing in a, well, no, we don't show their game. I mean, nobody cares about the Jets. Yeah, I mean, that's my point. Like, the Jamal Adams, like, safeties don't, like you said, they don't put uh, people in the stands. They're really hugely important players, but... They're not like highlight players. Well, you can't have a highlight, like an impact player, because there's no games that you can have an impact on. That That's part of the problem. Like if he was, if he played in Baltimore, you'd know about Jamal Adams. It, it, I mean, if he played with a, a if, if, if he was in the secondary of the Niners, you'd know about Jamal Adams. He plays for the Jets. Yeah, Paul. I guess you could go back to the Ravens. If, if Ask a Ravens fan if they could go back in time and have Jamal Lewis, the running back, or Ed Reed, the safety. Who was more vital to that team long-term? It was Ed Reed times five. I think the NFL was just different back then, but Ed Reed was such a great return guy. And if he, you know, if he picked you off, he was going to try to score on you. And Jamal Adams, it just feels like he's just a larger line or a smaller linebacker playing in the middle of the field. Yeah, McLevin. I think it's unfair for you guys to bring up Ed Reed because he's like the goat at that position. You know, he's the best ever, probably. I mean, arguably. Yeah. I mean, like, here are the top paid safeties in the NFL right now. Eddie Jackson for the Bears, Kevin Byard for the Titans. And he's good. They're good, but they're not, they're very anonymous. And then, then you got Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, Landon Collins. That was a mistake. Earl Thomas and Devin McCourty. Well, McCourty's good. They're all good. Earl but, was. But like you said, they're not, they're not really highlight players, you know. And, and what's Earl Thomas known for? Lighting he's people up. Yeah, Paul. Yeah. But Jamal Adams, at this point of his career, is on the same track as Ed Reed. Uh, two Pro Bowls in three years and one first-team All-Pro. That's exactly the same as Ed Reed's first three years. He's not Ed Reed yet because he's 24, but he's he appears to be the best safety in the game at 24. All right, uh, we'll settle on a poll question here coming up. And uh, Paul Feinbaum will join us. Uh, Mark Cuban, we did have the big golf match yesterday. The boys in the back, it was Tyler, the moderator versus uh, Mario, it was, I couldn't go through it again. I would not go through it again. It was that tense. Yes. Why is that? Is it because of the, just the quality of golf or? I don't know if I can summarize it. There was some smack talk. There was allegations of cheating. Well, really? Wow. That was the sportsmanship. Uh, not good. <laughs> not good. There, th- so bad golf. Um, it got tense. I mean, it got real. Like it was serious. And you you learn more about somebody on a golf course than <laughs> any other place. A- like you could tell their personalities after two holes. That's why when business guys love playing golf because you find out about that person you're playing golf with. And I found out a whole lot about both of those guys yesterday. I, I had to leave after seven holes. I didn't stay to the end. I didn't have to stay, but I didn't want to because it got really intense. And uh, there will be a shower shame at the end of the show for uh, one of the two. The Danats do not know who 
I'm not going to say who won because I don't think anybody won yesterday. We're all losers yes. today. <laughs> yeah. But it was tense. And I would have bet on Tyler, the moderator, because I thought he could keep his stuff together. And uh, I thought the pressure might get to Mario. The pressure got to Tyler, the moderator. Big time. Yeah, Paul. You guys were in the driving range, and I went up, and I was just kind of watching the guy swing. And Tyler, the moderator, uh, sculled about four balls to the right. He turns, walks past Seat and I. He goes, I'm losing it, man. I'm freaking. I'm freaking out. That's my horse. I know. Imagine your horse in the derby walks past you and goes, I'm, I'm freaking. He said, oh, the camera's getting to me. camera's getting to me. And they started drinking early, and I went, like, it was real. Like, it was real intense. Yes, yeah, I was impressed with, we watched the first two holes, and especially the first hole, though. I was impressed with Mario right out of the gate. He had a nice drive. Uh, I, I want to say he the, his approach shot was yeah, pretty nice. nice. Yeah. He got there. I think he got maybe got there. Could have got there in two. Maybe it was three. Um, I, I was impressed with, with how he looked. Well, I'm glad you got to see that hole. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh teaser. Yeah. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Um, Andrew Brent, uh, former GM, is going to join us. I, I just want to ask him about this Jamal Adams situation with these contracts. Because if you sit out, like, didn't they change the rules in the the last collective bargaining agreement, McLevin? I think they made holding out more difficult. Yeah. I'll double check that. We could ask Andrew Brent. Because I don't think you get service time when you hold out. But I, I, I just want to ask him about this and the possibility, the likelihood that uh, Jamal Adams could get traded. Uh, 22 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We just showed the first three holes if you're watching on uh, YouTube channel. We uh, showed the first three holes with uh, Mario and Tyler, the moderator, all tied up after the first three holes. And man, it is tense. Even watching back, it's tense. So next hour, uh, we'll have the next three holes. Final hour, the uh, final three holes. And then we'll have a shower of shame. I will say that the person who won feels like they should take a shower of shame as well because everybody lost yesterday. That was just brought up to me that maybe... That, uh, you know, I should take a shower of shame. Yeah, Paul. Dan, I minored in psychology, and that's a big tell that someone feels guilty by winning via cheating. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That nobody won yesterday. Somebody lost yesterday. Yes, Eden. That feels like uh, one of those things that you really just want to hit both people with. Uh... <laughs> oh, that I do? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, we all get to throw water balloons at them. <laughs> That feels like actually yeah, we, we it was all... the cost of you being there yesterday yes. is now everybody's getting Oh, I'm hit. angry. <laughs> oh, I'm angry. I had to witness this. Yeah. So we have water balloons. I will say that the person who won did try to put hot sauce in a water balloon, two of them, and uh, the big German said, no, can't do that. No hot sauce in the water balloons. But we do have some juice and milk and some other uh, things there. And, uh, so we'll, we'll line them up against the wall. It'll be... Uh, uh, Everybody gets a chance to fire water balloons at the loser from yesterday's golf match. All right, uh, we'll come up with a poll question. Did you have the poll question, McLovin? I want to bring in Andrew Brandt. Yeah, we're going to do that NFL question. If you were an NFL caliber player, what's the position you wouldn't want to play 
running back, uh, inside linebacker, safety, or offensive lineman. And we all have a different opinion on this side of the class. Let's bring in Andrew Brandt, the uh, Monday morning quarterback columnist, former uh, front office executive. Let me ask you that question. I'll start with that, Andrew. What's the position that you wouldn't want to, knowing what you get paid and the prestige that goes along with it, what's the worst position in the NFL? Yeah, good morning, Dan. And I think it's got to be the business approach, which is my expertise, and it's got to be running back. It's the shortest shelf life in the NFL. They're the most disadvantaged by this college eligibility rule of three years in college before you can come out because their prime earning years are when they're in college and, of course, their first contract, which we're going to talk about in a minute. And by the time they get to the second contract, a lot of teams are like, yeah, you know, they're kind of washed up and we can get one in the low rounds and the only guys paid really now are, are McCaffrey and Bell on the franchise tag last year. It's like, yeah, it's a bad position if you're, if you're talking about the business of football. And I said at the time, look, if Carolina needs to have somebody you want to come out and watch, then pay Christian McCaffrey. You're not going anywhere with that team for the next couple of years. Uh, Dallas invested in Zeke Elliott, and then they gave him the contract extension, which I wouldn't have done. But, you know, right. Jerry, Jerry believes in, hey – we, we have a good running attack. I don't know what the Giants are going to do with Saquon Barkley at that position. Uh, handicap that down the road. Where we are with the NFL, with these running backs, I don't, first of all, is a running back going to be taken in the top 10 anytime soon? And are you going to extend these running backs that uh, you take in the first round? Yeah, I mean, I guess from a personnel standpoint, there's always those outliers like Elliott, like Barkley, like McCaffrey, that are gonna be top 10 picks, maybe one every two years. I mean, I think that's where we're really talking about. But on the pay scale, listen, I hear about the outliers, Frank Gore, Emmett Smith, Curtis Martin, but that's what they are. They're outliers, you know, and we got a league that doesn't like to admit it, but people in my former position are all into analytics right now, all into modeling and statistical analysis and quants and Harvard PhDs in the back of the offices. And they're telling them, don't pay running backs. I mean, just don't pay them. When you talk about allocation of resources, you know the positions, quarterback, pass rusher, left tackle. But at the bottom of that is running back. And that's my answer. That's the bottom position. So there are going to be some tough decisions. You got a guy like Aaron Jones who had a great year for the Packers. You see my helmet. What they do, they draft a running back in the second round. (laughs) So this is happening all over the league. Well, if if you could have Christian McCaffrey or Jamal Adams, mm. who would you want? Let's say pay is the same. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's going to contradict what I just said. <laughs> he's, he's truly special. You know, I think there's a guy. He's truly special, but in McCaffrey, but there's there's so few of them. And 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 segueing, you're right, Dan. Safety's kind of back there on the list too. Safety linebacker. You know, these are the positions that traditionally don't get paid. Now, I know what Adams is saying, what his agent's going to say. They're special. They're the McCaffrey and Elliott's of that world. But, again, teams are looking at and say, okay, where are my resources? Quarterback, you know, they're going to have to pay Darnold in a couple year or year. And then pass rusher and then, of course, left tackle and the offensive line. And you've got a GM there whose history is – pay the trenches, as he did in Philadelphia, pay the trenches. The Lane Johnsons, the Fletcher Coxes, you know, and then from there, look outside. The uh, situation with Jamal Adams, where he is, um, he wants to get a new contract here. 
But does he have any options here? Does he have any leverage? I mean, the short answer is no. Uh, I, I think some teams are a little more, it's, it's a hard word, you know, like cowed by this kind of thing. But I think in recent years, less and less teams. I mean, I think back to the Jets years ago that were cowed by the civil disobedience of Jarrell Revis and responded. But I don't think there's much going around right now that has that. And as I tweeted this morning, Adams has no leverage contractually. He did a five-year rookie contract. Well, it's four years plus an option. And as we know, there are tags beyond that. So right now, the Jets have two years of contract control plus any tags. And how do you have leverage there? I mean, how, how do you have leverage? And as you indicated before the break, if he tries to extend this to take it to another level with a holdout, oh, my God. I mean, the CBA already rolled back rookie contracts and yeah. the kind of contract control teams have, but now they added penalties severe for holdouts. We're talking to Andrew Brandt, the Monday morning quarterback columnist, former uh, front office executive. If Jamal Adams called you for advice today, what would you tell him? Is there a way to have reasonable contract negotiations now rather than play on this contract for two years? Because I think once you get to trade demands, then you're not talking. Then it's kind of like baseball. Then you're just kind of in the corners. Yeah. You know, can we get to a contract and not have them sit for two years waiting for that to happen? Now, Jamal Adams, I would be the agent. I would understand you'd have to take below market because you're two years away. Whatever the top of the free agent safety market is, they were free agents. They didn't have two years left. So you got to balance that versus his talent versus whoever those players are. What are the Cowboys waiting for with Dak Prescott or what is Dak Prescott waiting for? I'm going to take a different view here. I've said this on your show before. Dak Prescott not only has leverage, but his leverage increases if he waits. Now, can he wait? Because if he waits, then there's a second tag, and do they really want to do that? And then he's negotiating with extreme leverage. But maybe that's the play that CAA is using with the Cowboys. Like, we want to really knock it out of the park. Home run. And if you don't want to do a home run, Cowboys, well, wait, you know, it's, it's kind of that simple. And, you know, I think Mahomes, I think the Chiefs are going to throw a ton of money at him. And he can say, great, or he can say, I'll wait, and my leverage will only go up. And so with Prescott, he's, he, you know, people can mock 40 million a year, whatever he wants, but why not? What's his downside? Play for 25 this year? Okay. The uh, business of bringing in Colin Kaepernick, we know the – political aspect of this, but the business side of this, tell me why you would or wouldn't bring in Kaepernick if you were running a team. Well, I wouldn't because it just seems so reactionary. You haven't done it for four years. No one's been eager to do it at before. You talk about Goodell encouraging teams to sign. I mean, I would, if I'm an owner, I'd encourage Goodell to stay out of yeah, I business. was going to say, what does that mean <laughs> that the commissioner's encouraging owners to do this? I mean, they're, they probably look at Roger and say, Roger, shut up. You know, we, we run this yeah, league. And, and no one has, quote, unquote, endorsed his statement, which is another issue to, in itself uh, about protests. But I just think if Kaepernick, the other issue with Kaepernick that's been there all along, Dan, is backup players. I've been there, front office. You don't want backup players getting a lot of attention, frankly. Yeah. 
you know, you'll, if you got a star quarterback, it's a lot of attention off the field, fine. You know, but a backup player, and obviously he's going to be a backup. He hasn't played in three years. And what team is going to say, forget all the politics. Well, this guy, what player in the league right now is coming off three years of inactivity? Zero. Uh, we had Dr. Fauci on yesterday, and uh, he has talked about maybe the NFL needs a bubble like the NBA. Your thoughts on the bubble for the NFL? Well, it's interesting because we've seen comments from Dr. Sills of the NFL, Dr. Mayer of the NFLPA, and the translation, Dan, of those comments is, thanks, Doc, we'll handle it, <laughs> you know, because they don't want to go in the bubble. They don't want to put 53 plus 20 coaches plus 50 staff in a bubble. Now they do do a bubble on Saturday night and Sunday before the game and they're in there, but no. I mean, listen, this is a big issue because we've been here 10 years with concussions. What's the stated priority of the NFL? Health and safety of our players. Now, here's the reality. If that's true, they wouldn't play, <laughs> right? Yeah. If that's their number one priority, yeah. they wouldn't play, but it's not true because the business of sports, because the economics say you really have to play and you have to play and whatever modifications you have to do. But if you start drilling down, here's the problem. You got 150 pages about social distancing and not spitting or sneezing or locker room six, but it's football. <laughs> you know, how do you practice and play football among these protocols. That's the needle that they're trying to thread here. You can do all you want with 115 pages of protocols, but I don't know if any of them go into playing the game, practicing, which is the opposite of social distancing. It's, you know, bodily contact and sweat and droplets everywhere. So that's, I don't know how you solve that. Yeah, I saw where Sean McVay was basically saying that. He goes, I don't, I don't know how you can be safe, but then play football. It, uh, John Harbaugh said, I just don't know how this is possible here. And I wonder. Well, John, Harbaugh's, John Harbaugh's talking about the protocols, which is great. I mean, listen, you got to do it. Sorry, John. It's, it's impossible to, to live like that, but you got to. But, it, but the McVeigh thing is more realistic. It's like, what about playing? I know. <laughs> and when you have a coach saying that, that's an issue. So listen, the NFL has been extremely fortunate. They can watch basketball. They can watch hockey. They can watch if baseball comes back. They can watch MLS. how they do? how they do with testing and treatment and tracing? What did they do? What's best practices for isolating and quarantine? They're so lucky because of the timing. But then you get to the fundamental question of, can they actually play this game where the virus is going to be in three months? They're hoping it's much less than it is now, but that hope is not a plan. Good to talk to you, Andrew. Hope you're well. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure, Dan. That's Andrew Brandt, Monday morning quarterback columnist. Uh, Paulie has a new game when we come back. That title of the new game is? What the hell is he saying? That's it. Yeah, we have Oh, that's show. the name of the game. Yeah, what the hell is he saying? Okay. We have a, a quote from a famous NFL head coach. We have no idea what he's saying. Okay. What the hell is he saying? It's also known as, what is he talking about? but we spiced it up a little bit. Play of the day is also coming up as well here on the Dan Patrick show. Fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh my God. The play, the play, is the play. of the day. Runner left side, got it. I'm going to play it and play it. This is the play of the day. 
check this out. Iguodala to inbounds. Shepard trying to stay with Curry. Catches one dribble, steps back, puts up a three. Won't go. Rebound tip taken by Spades. Final seconds. It's over. It's over. Cleveland is a city of champions once again. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. Cleveland! This is for you! Mike Breen on the call four years ago today. LeBron and the Cavs delivered the city of Cleveland its first championship in 40 years. The Cavs also became the first team in NBA history to win a title after being down 3-1 in that series. I like when people go... Hey, Jordan never came back from 3-1 to win a title, and I always say Jordan would not get down 3-1 to win a title. Play of the day. Play of the day brought to you by Raycon. Buy Raycon.com slash Patrick. Get 15% off these wireless earbuds. They're the way to go. Buy Raycon.com slash Patrick. So we have our poll question, right, McLovin? Yeah, what position do you not want to play in the NFL? Uh, the choices being running back safety, inside linebacker, or offensive lineman. Hmm. And uh, our people do not want to play offensive linemen, which gets paid the most by far out of that group. Yeah, you just get no notoriety unless you're called for holding. Yeah, Seaton. That just feels like a long day, doesn't it? Being an offensive lineman? Oh, man, that feels like a long day. And you only get your name called out if you gave up a sack or you were called for holding. Yes, McLevin. And by the way, we don't talk as much about head trauma anymore, but safety and running back are the two most prominent positions that have problems and linebacker. All right, Paulie says we have a new game. What the hell did he say? Uh, what are you talking about? Oh, we, have, we have more workshops. Okay, all right. We got new music, though, for it. Okay. Hmm, that sounds like the old music. Okay, Seaton. Here we go. Sean McVay, the LA Rams head coach, has the following quote, but before we play it, is he saying that he doesn't like social distancing rules at the facility because it doesn't match with the physicality of football, or is he saying that we can't have football at all because of social distancing rules? Sean McVay. We're talking about some of this stuff, and we're playing football. I mean, we're going to social distance, but we play football? This is really hard for me to understand all this. I don't want to be – I just – I don't get it. Wait, did Sean McVay become John Gruden? Yeah, it sounds like he's channeling John Gruden from nine years ago. Um, I think he's basically saying um, we can't have both here. We can't play football and, and have social distancing. Yeah, so see. which does he have a problem with? Social distancing <laughs> or playing football? Social distancing. Because he's a football guy. Football guys want to play football. Yeah, that's football. football. <laughs> that's why we play football. Yes, McLovin. When John Harbaugh said the same thing. It, it is, it's, it's impractical that you're going to social distance a locker room and then be in the huddle together. And break all that social distance. Yeah, time. I could read that easily the other way. I was like, hey, why are we playing? There's no way to keep everyone safe. Let's wait for a vaccine. Hopefully things will be better next year. Let's stupid to even play risk it. everybody. Let's play it again. Here's uh, Sean McVay, the head coach of the Rams. We're talking about some of this stuff, and we're playing football. I mean, we're going to social distance, but we play football? This is really hard for me to understand all this. I don't want to be – I just – I don't get it. So what is he saying? That's the name of the game. So what you saying? So what are you talking about? I don't know why somebody didn't say, wait, coach, do you have a problem with playing football or everything else that leads up to playing football? Yeah, Paul. It's, it feels like Sean McVay's in one of those body switching movies where he sounds like an old SEC coach who's 65. He's 34 years old. Sean McVay's young. He talks like he's about 60. Let's play it one more time. 
We're talking about some of this stuff, and we're playing football. I mean, we're going to social distance, but we play football. This is really hard for me to understand. He all can't this. be thirty-four. I, don't be, I just, it, he, I don't get it. He can't be thirty-four. I'm telling you. I mean, we're talking about playing football. Yeah, Todd. Now it sounds like listening to it again. We're playing football. So forget about all this protocol. It's not going to happen. We're playing football. You run the risk of getting sick and droplets on each other. Deal with it. Stop with the hundred fifteen-page book on this. I don't know if we cleared anything up there. They're playing football. Yeah, so I don't get it. Then you got like these <laughs> cell phones and stuff. I don't know what this technology. Uh, I, just, I, I don't get it. Instagram, I don't get it. IG. Yeah, what are they TikTok. on the uh, the uh, Snapagram? Uh, so I don't get it. Back when I was a kid, like eight years ago. Doesn't he sound like that? That would be something that Belichick would say. Yeah. Not not a thirty four year Belichick sixty five. Sean McVay's 34. That prime guy who played football. football. That's why we do. <laughs> Belichick's actually 68. <laughs> but he looks 65. Um, Paul Feinbaum will join us on loan from the mothership. Mark Cuban, the Mavs owner, will join us. Here's an interesting stat. Best record of an NBA team since the 2000 season. This team has the best record they have won 69% of their games from uh, 2000 to today. 69% of their games. San Antonio Spurs. Second on that list, this team has won 60% of their games since 2000. Dallas Mavericks. You'd win some money on that bet. I don't know who's last on that list. I'm going to guess it's the Knicks, but... Rockets are third on the list, then the Celtics, and then the Miami Heat. Cuban bought the team in 2000. Ross Perot Jr. Seton, don't you do a Ross Perot impersonation? Can I finish? <laughs> Can I finish? <laughs> Got the chickens in the hen house. Can I finish? More golf coming up. Well, the highlights coming up.